Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's Thursday, November 9, 2023. I'm Reese Covert sitting in for Roland, who is having dinner with the vice president. Here's what's coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. A federal jury convicts former Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby of two counts of perjury. West Virginian Senator Joe Manchin says he is not retiring. He is not seeking re-election. We'll discuss what this means for 2024. We'll have a recap of the third Republican debate. The sole black candidate says the GOP is gaining black voters. And Chris Christie breaks down what pro-life should mean. The Supreme Court heard arguments this week about the federal ban on alleged domestic abusers possessing firearms. We'll talk to a gun violence prevention advocate and a domestic violence advocate about what could happen if the court decides to reverse the ban. The black Alabama Riverboat co-captain who was attacked on August 5th is facing assault charges. And Israel agreed to a four-hour ceasefire to allow people to get to safety in Gaza. We'll talk to a national security and foreign policy expert to give us the latest on the war. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling.
A Maryland federal jury convicts Baltimore's former top prosecutor, Marilyn Mosby. Mos Mosby was found guilty of two counts of perjury. The jury found she did lie about her finances to withdraw money from her city retirement account under a program designed to help people struggling financially during the coronavirus pandemic. Prosecutors said she falsely claimed to suffer from financial hardships to access $90,000 from retirement funds that she later used to buy two homes in Florida. Mosby has maintained her in innocence. A reporter tried to get a comment from Mosby as she exited the courthouse. Mosby is coming out right now. Here we go, here we go. Let's see if she has any comment. Mr. White, do you have any comment? Any comment? No comment. No comment? Any comment? Do you plan to appeal this? I'm blessed. I have nothing else to say. Ms. Mosby, were you surprised by the verdict? Ms. Mosby, do you plan to appeal this ruling? This seems upsetting. can see there. Let's go to our panel with this breaking news. Lauren Victoria Burke from Black Press USA. Dr. Carr will be joining us shortly, as well as Teresa Lundy, principal and founder of TML Communications in Philadelphia. Hey, y'all. Let me tell you something. They got another one of our black politicians child on this doggone finance fraud stuff. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is up there in Manhattan acting a plum fool, but not facing any kind of criminal liability. Lauren, I'll go to you first. What is your reaction to this Marilyn Mosby verdict? Sorry, everybody. My reaction is uh, similar to what you just said. We see a lot of black elected officials getting prosecuted. In this case, she, this, this prosecution started with a prosecutor named Leo Wise, uh, who has a long history and an uncanny knack for prosecuting black elected official that goes all the way back to when he was uh, in the Office of Congressional Ethics, um, prosecuting an unusually high number of black members of Congress. He's not on the case anymore, but still, this was a case that involved uh, Marilyn Mosby effectively taking out her own money from an account. I'm not sure why that would reach the level that this is reached now. Of course, she's now getting hit with a perjury charge. Um, that's interesting. I yeah. mean, I think with all the things that are going out, uh, going on in Baltimore, you would think that there'd be other things that prosecutors would be focused on. And I have to say, when we look at a lot of the black female prosecutors who have been in the spotlight over the last few years, and she's been one of them, there's some, been some interesting things that have happened to them. Uh, Rachel Rollins comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm not a big believer in coincidence when I see black elected officials being prosecuted. I'm just not. Uh, we see on the blue-collar level a disproportionate prosecution of black people. There's no reason we wouldn't see it on the white-collar level. So right. I reserve judgment, and I will read the case, but I feel a sense of suspicion, quite frankly. Uh, I, I think that's very reasonable. I mean, to your point, the, she was not allowed to make the case that it was her own money that was coming from the retirement fund. They, you know, the prosecutor suggested that this still belonged to the city, and that's why she committed perjury by trying to get access to it. Uh, but, Teresa, you know, to Lauren's point, 
a lot of prosecutors are under the, the spotlight, especially if you're a Baltimore politician. They love to go after black uh, Baltimore politicians. Is this one of those cases where, knowing that spotlight, she should have been a little bit more making sure that she had her T's crossed and her I's dotted? What do you think? I think any elected official, um, especially uh, African Americans, we all know we're going to be under the spotlight, under the gun, um, daily. So it is really up to us to make sure we hire the right consultants and um, just to make sure that, you know, we are following the law to the T. I, I think there um, is likely a lot of uh, misinformed information that is not released to the public. Mm -hmm. But right now, just seeing the headline as in, you know, Marilyn Mosby convicted and we're not, you know, unless you're reading, it says perjury. And so, you know, for her, she might have thought she was telling the truth or, you know, it could have been a half choose, but wh whatever it might have been, um, you know, I think there was just some miseducation on some of the finance laws, which can be complex. I know here in PA, you know, if you, you know, if you're running for a local office and then you you decide to run for Congress, it can get very difficult if you don't have the right consultants or if you're not reading um, uh, some of the the the, inf the audited information for the finance report yourself. So it definitely can get complicated. But the the investment on the back end is probably the most helpful, especially so you don't get into these type of situations. Right. That's a good point. I mean, I know, listen, I, most of us have four, or many of us, I shouldn't say, many of us have 401ks. We have retirement accounts. At some point or another, we've taken money out. Uh, and so that tends to be the kind of thing where you don't necessarily expect to have to hire accountants and lawyers and things to get access to. One of the interesting parts about this, though, because it is perjury, you do have to approve intent. And I wonder, Lauren, I'm, I'm going to go to you on this, um, if the fact that she's a black woman gives her less of the benefit of the doubt. We have seen other black politicians who have been targeted with prosecution related to finances. Andrew Gillum is somebody who comes to mind. And he actually did not get convicted. Do you think that her being a black woman played even more of a role in uh, this, this case and the outcome of this case? Uh, not in this particular case. I think they like to go after black people in power. I think black people in power, whether they be male or female, are under a microscope. It just does so happen that we have a historic sort of group of black women prosecutors, though, uh, who are out there on the scene right now, sort of coming of age, certainly Fannie Willis is. But uh, Marilyn Mosby was one of those po prosecutors in a major city. But when I think about just historically, and, and someone had done a book on this, on, on black elected officials being prosecuted. Um, he's a Maryland professor. I'm sorry I don't have his name. Uh, on, on black elected officials being prosecuted, and of course, most of his cases are men because it was mostly male yeah. uh, elected officials in office when he wrote the book. But Brian Benjamin is a pretty good recent example. Mm -hmm. So is Andrew Gillum. Andrew Gillum you know, let's be let's be real. The big announcement, the drama, all yeah. the counts that are being announced, and you saw the Brian Benjamin presser, the counts and the drama, and we've got them, we've got charts and graphics and all this, and the entire case totally fell apart. It was a big flop, a big nothing burger, and nothing came of it. So we have to sort of wait to me for details. Even when they get prosecuted, I'm like waiting for details, even yeah. when there's a conviction. So I, I'm a little bit, again, I'm, I'm very suspicious. Now, Brian Benjamin, refresh my recollection, he, he was um, the lieutenant governor, right? And he ended up having to resign right. as a result. And then, to your point, 
it was a big nothing burger. Do I have that right? Everything that's right. The lieutenant okay. governor of New York and right. could have been the governor of New York because Andrew Cuomo then got in trouble not not too long. I mean, it, it to me, it's sort of like I just feel like when elected, when black elected officials get prosecuted, we need to pay special attention. I remember when Shaka Fatah got prosecuted. He was serving on the uh, very powerful money committee in Congress. To this day, nobody can articulate to me exactly what he did that was wrong. Mm -hmm. He got prosecuted and went to jail. And when you get these cases where nobody can articulate in a plain sentence what happened, I'm suspicious. I've read his case and I still didn't understand it. I'm just saying, I, given the history of our country, I'm suspicious of, of many of these prosecutions. I mean, me too. And I'm also suspicious that it's only black people out here doing this stuff because we ain't even in that high numbers. And yet it seems to be that the prosecutions. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender always skewed towards the black, but, uh, Teresa, you're right. uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're right. Because if, if we really look at the history going to Lawrence point, uh, black elected officials who have, uh, substantial power, um, that is governing over dollars and cents of taxpayers and maybe looking like they have a future to move up in public office, the scrutiny gets higher. With any position that you get in, look, we, and I know you mentioned um, Congressman Fatah, but he's been in, you know, Congress for over 20-something years. He earned that position. And so, you know, even with that case, because obviously he was out of Philadelphia, just knowing some of the ins and outs of it, it was almost like, you know, they were looking for um, a, a degree of, uh, of issue. And so when you're able to find one, when you start to look 10 and 15 years back, um, into elected officials, you 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 know, for whatever you, the target is there, and so it really, you know, if we kind of got to go back to basics when you start running for public office, is really taking care of your back end, so 
it protects you and secures you in the future so we don't have these type of issues where, one, you're getting perjured on the stand because of maybe some information you did not know was true or was not. But at the end of the day, you know, Marilyn Mosby took her money uh, and, and, and tried to use it for her campaign to make sure that she can get elected without asking the taxpayer um, right. for, you know, those who wanted to support her for small-dollar donations. Well, technically, she was using it to buy a house. But to your point, um, she, she, I mean, I look at retirement money as my money, so I would have been shocked as all hell if somebody told me that I was committing a crime, regardless of what I said on somebody's forms, <laughs> getting my own money that I contributed. I got to bring in our man, Dr. Carr, Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University. The reason why I want to come to you, Dr. Carr, is because in addition to you know, the fact that black politicians are mostly targeted when it comes to these kind of financial uh, prosecutions, they find very few allies when they are under the gun. I mean, just last week, I don't know if you saw uh, Kwame Kilpatrick putting uh, President Obama on blast, talking about how we used to be homies, but you left me hanging when I was in jail. And I'm not saying that President Obama should have done anything different. I don't know who could have came to Marilyn Mosby's aid here, but talk a little bit if you have anything to chime in on that issue of kind of how when you get caught up in these, you just on your own on this one. About my friend and colleague Derek Musgrove, who wrote about wrote a whole book on this in terms of <laughs> the selective prosecution, persecution, in fact, of black elected officials. This isn't about their politics. This isn't about anything other than the fact that when it comes to quote unquote the law in this country, it's selective prosecution. Uh, you know, perhaps if Marilyn Mosby had said something nice about Donald Trump or ran into him on, somewhere in the streets and said, oh, I like your tie, he would have <laughs> intervened or something like that. But the simple fact of the matter is that, you know, black politicians, the higher up the uh, food chain you go, the more timid they are. That's simply the simple fact. It's a simple fact of the matter. Sure, Kwame Kilpatrick, the, the hip-hop mayor of Detroit, yeah, he got in trouble and, and uh, you know, some of it his own doing, of course. Right. But, you know, he's not a white man. Yeah. And Marilyn Mosby, this is completely outsized. It's absurd. Black people think you can somehow uh, demonstrate to this society that somehow you are uh, um, uh, cleaner than mm. average by adhering to the rule of law. That's simply not the case. This is a political prosecution. Right. You're trying, you're trying to crucify Marilyn Mosby. And of course, Barack Obama wasn't going to do anything. What do y'all expect Barack Obama to do? He's a creature of the political system. Mm. He's not going to intervene. We're still paying the bill for him being president two times. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, he's off with his wife making billion dollars with Netflix and uh, we're stuck with the bill called Donald Trump and everything else. Marilyn Mosby was 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 politically crucified today mm -hmm. and uh, you know there's nothing else to say about it. Well, as the, uh, I want to keep staying with you a little bit longer because you do have the law uh, expertise here. She still has another case. Now, the date hasn't been set around uh, charges of mortgage fraud. Um, and she chose not to go uh, to testify in this case, which is a very short actual trial, because there were threats about her being able to be whatever she said potentially being used to bring more charges to her. What do you think is next for Marilyn Mosby after this perjury conviction and with the additional charges she's facing? I, you know, I have no idea. Again, I would think that, you know, her lawyers and, of course, our, our brother Scott, who they were able to get up out the paint, and the threat of trying to snatch his license behind some some BS would be much better positioned to talk about that. But um, 
Will she try to negotiate a plea? I mean, you know, I would think, and I'm thinking about my friends who are practicing attorneys who might may advise her to try to do that. I mean, again, don't subject yourself to a, a bench trial or a jury trial where these folk think somehow they are upholding the rule of law by applying rules to you that aren't applied evenly across the, the board. I mean, I suspect she probably has some legal advice that might be like, you know, see, can you negotiate a plea in and so that you don't have to face this type of situation again? But but quite frankly, I think I'm probably as much at a loss as what she's going to do now in that case as anybody else who's just kind of observing. Right. Well, <laughs> for the best for her because she's facing more charge, uh, more time in jail than the Freddie Gray killers uh, exactly. and anybody else that she tried to bring to justice in that and all of the other cases that she tried. Some of them know she was not doing what she was supposed to do. She was doing some <laughs> overzealous prosecution. So I ain't saying she's totally innocent, but on this one, it definitely seems like she is getting a raw deal. But we're going to head to a break. This is Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. We'll be right back. I'm Dee Barnes, and next on The Frequency, we have Brio, performance artist and author, writer, singer, and composer, Queen Mother, Nana Camille Yarbrough. Please join us for an incredible conversation with knowledge, wisdom, and power of the elders. I'm a perception changer. You're a rearranger. You're a mind evolver and a problem solver. You're a beast eater, a soul excreter, a void filler and a bile spiller. You are a thought warmer, a plan former, a power orchestrator and a tongue translator. Right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
hatred on the streets. A horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a back. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. I'm Paula J. Parker. Judy Proud on the Proud Family. Louder and Prouder on Disney Plus. And you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin made it clear he is not running for re-election in 2024. Here's the announcement he put out on social media. I got into politics because of an argument I had 40 years ago with my dad. John Manchin owned a furniture store in Farmington, West Virginia, a small coal mining town of hardworking people. And one day our local state representative came in and asked Dad for a favor, saying, you owe me for all the things I've done for your little town. When the man left, I turned to my dad and said, now wait a minute, isn't helping Farmington that man's job? That moment defined the difference between self-service and public service. When I told my dad that I was going to run for office, he said, Oh, Joe, politics is a bad business. I'm telling you right now, stay out of it. I didn't disagree that often with my father, but that time I did. I reminded him of the famous line from President John F. Kennedy's inaugural address. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I was 13 when I first heard it, and I'm still inspired today by it. My family were devoted Catholics who immigrated from Italy and Czechoslovakia. So to us, President Kennedy was held in the highest regard, and I knew President Kennedy's words would sway my dad. It took him about a minute, but my dad said that he would support me running if I made a vow to serve all the people, friend or foe, and not just myself. That promise made to my dad all those years ago has been my guiding light. I've never cared about where good ideas came from, and I never blame one side for creating a problem, nor believe that only one side could fix them. When America is at her best, we get things done by putting country before party, working across the aisle and finding common ground. Many times this approach has landed me in hot water, but the fight to unite has been well worth it. Today, West Virginia is attracting more investment, opportunity and jobs than it has in decades. Here at home and across the country, we are building more roads, bridges, manufacturing plants and energy infrastructure than almost any time in America's history. After months of deliberation and long conversation with my family, I believe in my heart of hearts that I have accomplished what I set out to do for West Virginia. I have made one of the toughest decisions of my life, 
and decided that I will not be running for re-election to the United States Senate. But what I will be doing is traveling the country and speaking out to see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. To the West Virginians who have put their trust in me and fought side by side to make our state better, it has been my honor of my life to serve you. Thank you. Every incentive in Washington is designed to make our politics extreme. The growing divide between Democrats and Republicans is paralyzing Congress and worsening our nation's problems. The majority of Americans are just plain worn out. Our economy is not working for many Americans from the rising cost of food and fuel and everything in between. We have a border crisis with illegal drugs entering our country and killing Americans every day. Our national debt is out of control and Americans don't feel safe, even in their own communities. We are providing critical aid to two of our allies, fighting wars for their survival, and we must prevent being pulled into a major war ourselves. These are not Republican or Democratic challenges. These are American challenges. They affect every one of us, and we need to face them together. I know our country isn't as divided as Washington wants us to believe. We share common values of family, freedom, democracy, dignity, and a belief that together we can overcome any challenge. We need to take back America and not let this divisive hatred further pull us apart. Public service has and continues to drive me every day. That is the vow that I made to my father over 40 years ago, and I intend to keep that vow until my dying day. May God bless America, the great state of West Virginia, and each and every one of you. Manchin has been the only Democrat elected to statewide office in West Virginia. This allows Republicans to pick up a seat in the heavily GOP state. Here is a spoiler alert. Maserati Mansion. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. Don't nobody have no kind of appetite for no 76-year-old man talking about he is somewhere in the middle. Well, you are definitely more so on the radical conservative side of what you're trying to call Democrat, but we don't believe you. So you can save the whole tour. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. And by as you, by as she, don't let the good Lord hit you with a good Lord split you, because don't nobody care about you leaving the doggone Senate. But what I'm trying to figure out is who is paying you to embark on this little tour? Because I know don't nobody think you can win. I know don't nobody think that you can beat Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Lauren, I'm going to start with you. What do you think is really behind this push by Joe Manchin to look for people who are so-called looking at the middle? Uh, there's probably some corporate actor behind there that has something to do with the coal industry, uh, knowing... Uh, knowing Manchin. I mean, everything with him is the coal industry and, and stopping renewable energy, stopping mm -hmm. anything that would assist with climate change. I mean, that's been his entire career. That's what he cares about. I, I love this this idea that somehow we need, you know, Joe Manchin to lead us through the storm of into <laughs> moderate uh, to a more moderate America. It is completely ridiculous. It does give the Dem uh, the Democratic Party a huge challenge with regard to uh, with regard to winning that seat, which is probably not going to happen, quite frankly, so they yeah. have to look elsewhere on the map. Uh, but this idea that, you know, I love the part in there about uh, the divisive hatred in our country or something, and then you don't mention Donald Trump. Mm. You, you don't have the guts. In the moment that you're resigning, you know, you're not resigning, but but retiring, announcing that you're not running for election, re-election, 
you don't have the guts to mention Donald Trump. Now, we have seen people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Robert De Niro get on social media and talk about politics and talk about Donald Trump and talk about fascism. These, these are movie actors. Yeah. Okay? Of course, Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. They have the guts to say it, but a United States senator can't say it. I mean, you got to be kidding me with this guy. It, yeah. it, is, it is really interesting, though, that he thinks he's the hero. He's going to save us. Okay. You know. We'll see. Yeah, he thinks he's the hero, but he's more like the villain because he's the one who stood in the way of the child tax credit, be, child right. tax credit being extended. Him, along with Cinema, stood in the way of you know changing the filibuster so that we could pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, pass um, a number of bills, and so yeah, he's definitely not the hero of anybody's story except for in his own head. Teresa. This is, like I said, the person that blocked the child tax credit. What exactly does Joe Manchin think that he is moderate in other than not agreeing with everything that the Democrats are trying to do? I think that is, one, that's a great question, but I think that's also the new definition of what moderate is. Mm. Um, right now, we have, you know, obviously the progressive movement. We have, you know, organizations called No Labels. You know, so everybody's trying to figure out where they fit in. Because it looks like, you know, Democrats are not unified, but we just had a past election where it looks like we're absolutely energized, we're actually absolutely recharged in battleground states. And so I think there's, you know, a moment here for, for Joe Manchin, you know, to, to think like everybody else is thinking, you know, President Joe Biden um, is in his 80s. And, and these folks who have served in public service um, for decades are now seeing, you know, this is kind of like their last will and testament on their way out the door in public service. But we cannot get confused. And I think when Joe Manchin does decide, if he is deciding to, to go uh, to seek higher office, I think that'll be an interesting conversation because if we start looking at the record, the record does say you're not for working people. The record does say that when it was time for us to fix civil rights and also protect our rights, Joe Manchin wasn't at the table. If anything, he was um, the individual that stood against those protections. And I think, you know, people, you know, once that record is probably, you know, just rehashed, um, will start also getting an understanding that, you know, he's not the one that we should be selecting for any other office. But we hope he does take you know, the necessary break he needs to really think about his actions. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not ageist or anything, but 76 ain't no spring chicken either. <laughs> That's what Joe Manchin is. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with Joe Biden being 80, whoever being whatever age, but I always think it's interesting when the age conversation happens with a whole bunch of other old people trying to run. Jill Stein just announced today that she's running. She's 73. I'm not saying 73 is as old as 80, because, I mean, just numerically, it's not. But we're not talking about, you know, uh, somebody in their 30s or 40s, Pete Buttigieg age or AOC's age running for president. We talk about a bunch of septuagenarians still trying to get out there and talk about they're going to be the change that Joe Biden isn't, I guess. Um, Dr. Carr, what's your reaction to Maserati Mansion talking about he He's not running, but he's not sitting down somewhere either. That's right. I mean, well, I think it's the same uh, as Teresa's and as Lauren's and as yours, Reese. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden, Joe Manchin is the definition of a slick politician. He's going to be just fine. In the Republican administration, he'll be given a cabinet post or an ambassadorship. 
Uh, maybe they make him Secretary of Energy so he can get his cold buddies together because, you know, there's a real war going on between the energy companies now. You see uh, Chevron and Exxon and BP, the European oil companies trying to uh, energy companies trying to go around and deal with renewables, while some of these others here in the U.S. are trying to retrench and double down on coal and oil. Well, you know, guys play coal miner is backed by billionaires. Mm. Joe Manchin is going to run for president. But the problem we have, of course, is that black folk, who have made the involuntary sacrifice since they snatched us into this criminal enterprise, are being set up for another round of pain. Hmm. Uh, we see Biden's numbers. I mean, these polls don't mean much, but we do have, you mentioned Jill Stein, in the four-way, you know, the CNN poll that we all saw, you know, saying that Trump beats Biden, but in a four-way race, how in the hell the 16% of the people say they'll vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and 4% for Cornell West? Well, they have to get on the ballot. But ultimately, Jill Stein, if she's the Green Party candidate, since Cornell couldn't stand still long enough to understand you need a party apparatus to get on the ballot, Jill Stein jumps in, and who knows? I guess what I'm saying is ultimately Joe uh, Manchin is put his hand up, backed by all the billionaires necessary, to say, I will be the spoiler. Yeah. I'll be one. What's in it for me? If the mm. Democrats win, well, what the hell? We'll find some lobbyist job for you. And if the white nationalists get in, we'll make you put you in the cabinet or we'll give you an ambassadorship. This is all about what it's always been about with Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin. I did not see that, but I 100% agree with you. Lauren, Teresa mentioned the No Labels Party. Do you think that they factor into this already? I I've been hearing rumblings about it, you know, nothing official. But, I mean, unlike the Green Party, which, um, as Dr. Carr mentioned, Dr. West jumped off maybe too soon. He probably didn't see this Israel Gaza stuff popping off and the mm. advantage he would get, you know, being the Green Party ticket. But you need infrastructure. You can't vote for somebody that's not on the ballot. And even the Green Party has not managed to get on the ballot in all the, the entire electoral college. Uh, but when you have unlimited billionaires backing a fake party or no-labels party, that could potentially pose a much bigger spoiler challenge now, like I said. I don't know if that's what he's involved in, but could you see somebody like No Labels trying to scoop up Joe Manchin since he has appetite for something in 2024? Yeah, he has the appetite for attention. So anything that will get him attention, he'll do it. That's one of the reasons why he's always holding out his vote, you know, to stop things like the child tax credit or whatever it is that... that uh, that middle-class and lower-middle-class Americans need. I think this third-party stuff is, is beyond crazy. We're looking into the face of losing our entire democracy next year with this battle between Donald Trump and everybody else, you know? And you want to talk to me about, you know, people are talking about the Green Party and this and that. We saw what happened in 2016. I'm not sure why we need a replay of that. And all this Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and now this jazz that we're hearing, uh, I'm deeply suspicious of any sort of corporate or billionaire-related funding. What is that about? Uh, it comes down to two major political parties. And I know a lot of people want, you know, something else, and it does feel like we should have something else. We see some of the decisions that get made, uh, certainly. But, but this is a really bad time to be talking about a third party, when you have Donald Trump on the horizon looking as if he could possibly get back into office. And everybody understands what that means and the threats that he is making openly, uh, you know, right out onto the air. So I'm not buying in, into any of this no-label stuff or third party or any of that. And, and the fact that Manchin is involved in it makes me even more suspicious, because he has stood for nothing other than the coal industry. Yeah. So 
give me a break. In one of the states, it's one of our poorest states in this country, by the way. Yeah. So you're not you're not from you know you're not from some state that uh, the, the the highway is paved with gold. This is West Virginia. So I'm not sure why he thinks he's fooling anybody, but I'm I'm not I'm not really down with the third party thing. Yeah. At all. I don't know why he's waving a mission accomplished flag when they still got black lungs down there. They still got mm -hmm. low health care, poverty, all kind of mess. Mm -hmm. But apparently for him, it's mission accomplished. So we'll be right back with Roland Moore, Roland Martin Unfiltered. After this break, you're watching the Black Star Network. in black culture. We're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. DC 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. I'm Faraji Muhammad, live from LA. And this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, everybody. I'm Kim Coles. Hey, I'm Dolly Simpson. Yo, it's your man Deion Cole from Blackish, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thousands have died and thousands more have been injured since the militant group Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israel on October 7th. Israel claims it has destroyed 130 Hamas tunnel shafts amid an expansion of its ground operation in Gaza. The White House says Israel will cease fire for four hours in Gaza each day to allow people to get to safer locations. The war has caused mass displacement and severe food, water, fuel and medical supply shortages. National security and foreign policy expert Asha Castleberry Hernandez joins me to explain this four-hour window. Hey, Asha, how are you? Good, good, good evening. Nice to see you, Reese. Nice to see you. Okay, listen, this ain't gonna be no softball because I have been so incredibly disturbed by the carnage that we have been witnessing in Gaza. Obviously, it goes without saying that uh, the attack on Israel was heinous as well. But we've had 30 days of uh, nonstop attacks on the uh, area of Gaza where Palestinians have been displaced. Now this four-hour window um, has been announced. Can you tell the viewers a little bit more details about the four hours? Because initially it might sound like there's a four-hour stoppage across the entire region when, from what I read, uh, Israel plans to announce certain neighborhoods will get a four-hour reprieve with a couple hours notice, um, and it will be different neighborhoods each day. So can you explain, like, the specifics about this four-hour window? Yes. Uh, so the the White House or President Biden has been pretty much negotiating to uh, for the four hour window and the four hour window is uh, tailored towards specific communities or areas as, as a way to provide humanitarian assistance. And in the meantime, also continue to negotiate hostage affairs. So the four hour window also uh, is a reflection of a middle ground as far as the negotiations where the Israelis still want to continue their counteroffensive, but at the same time, uh, the uh, United States, along with many other countries, uh, want to continue providing humanitarian support as well as uh, continue with the hostage affairs. So it, it's a middle ground. 
uh, in my opinion, in terms of the, the, the delay of it, as far as four hours, it's not enough to continue to negotiate hostage affairs as well as um, as well as humanitarian efforts. I, there even, there's even more speculation that uh, President Biden will also be asking for from four hours to three days, because, yeah. again, there's yeah. so much going on in terms of the dynamics of hostage affairs as well as uh, providing humanitarian assistance. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I, according to reports, President Biden has been pushing for, to, uh, like you said, for three days, for longer pauses. How much can actually be, how much assistance can actually be provided to the people of Gaza in these neighborhoods with four hours, considering the amount of infrastructure damage there is and the distance that, you know, uh, the humanitarian aid is going to have to travel? Is there any idea of how how the humanitarian aid will get to these different corridors? Yes. So uh, right about now, there's been some um, a lot of reporting in open sources that, that there was about a 96 trucks to a, or 106 trucks trying to reach, uh, you know, provide humanitarian assistance. But the the operational environment or the security environment is extremely complex where there are people located everywhere. You even have the issue with regards to the tunnels. So local civilians or innocent civilians are just deeply embedded in the area, so it's going to be harder to reach them. Now, the, the intent is to make sure that they are being, uh, um, you know, de departing to the Rafa crossing. But again, there's still a lot of people, a lot of Gazans that are located in the area, and it's just extremely hard to shift them from where they are to the Rafa crossing, a complete shift of all of them to the Rafa crossing. So that's why this is extremely complex uh, uh, terrain right about now, especially when you're dealing with tunnels. And then also there are civilians that are still around the Hamas, uh, um, Hamas and, and even like, you know, just more embedded around them. So it's just really, really complex. Yeah, I mean, especially when they don't have fuel, because um, has there been any talk about trying to allow civilians fuel anymore so that the hospitals can get back up and running so that people, I've seen uh, videos of people on using horses and animals to try to get around. Is there any movement on that aspect? Yeah, so the international community uh, just recently had an aid conference in France. You're also seeing uh, the vice president and other key officials uh, in, uh, with, you know, representing the administration trying to negotiate providing more humanitarian assistance when it comes to food, water, and especially fuel. So that's a, a major concern. But, but the international community overall is trying to aggressively make sure that that kind of assistance is provided as soon as possible. Right, right. There has been a lot of international pressure that's been coming down on Netanyahu. My question is, how do we know that they're not just going to drop more bombs outside of this four-hour window, right? I mean, there is, uh, I think the four-hour window obviously will give people just a logistical breathing room and, and reprieve, but how much help is that if people are going to just get bombed in higher quantities? outside of that four-hour window. Do you have any perspective on that? Well, according to multiple media, media sources, the United States is really trying hard to, to just make sure that they maintain synchronization uh, with the Israelis. Um, unfortunately, there are some disagreements on how to move forward uh, as far as an alignment goes. 
So I, in my opinion, moving forward, there are going to be some surprises that are going to be conducted by, in terms of uh, military operations by the Israelis, because they are definitely determined to ensure that they're going to complete this counteroffensive. But uh, for the most part, um, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu is extremely determined to complete this mission. He will most likely, you know, work very closely to the United States, but he's more forward thinking in terms of trying to complete his mission as far as eradicating Gaza. Well, it seems like he's definitely trying to eradicate Gaza as opposed to just Hamas. But uh, Hamas is not in the West Bank. What is the White House doing around um, the increase that we're seeing in terms of deaths of Palestinians in the West Bank, despite the fact that uh, Hamas is not actually there, so there can't be any kind of counteroffensive against them in that region? Well, uh, what you've seen a lot in terms of, of um, political leadership engagements, uh, you know, the administration has been working very closely with the Palestinian authorities. Uh, you just had Secretary Blinken meet with uh, um, Abbas just recently as far as how to address that issue effectively with the Palestinians, uh, as far as addressing those concerns, because one of the implications that, that has been discussed recently is that Hamas is uh, not only uh, in pursuit of, you know, targeting uh, Israel because of the conditions in Gaza, but also what he foresees in in the West Bank. So as a way to uh, counter uh, that narrative or that effort, uh, the United States feels that they need to work more closely with the Palestinian authorities, which um, rejects what Hamas has done, and, and do better outreach with the Palestinians uh, in the West Bank as far as addressing these issues. Right. I'm going to go to my panel. I'm going to start off with you, Lauren. Do you have a question for Asha? You know, I, I really think that this conflict is uh, so steeped in uh, history that it, it just seems to never end. My question for you is, do you, do you think that this conflict, can it ever find its way to peace? Do you think you will ever see that? Yes. So, you know, when you look at foreign policy, sometimes uh, there are certain crises that become game changers, right? Uh, this conflict is about 90 years old or more. But, you know, this may be to the point where, uh, where you know, not only Israel and the Palestinians, but, uh, and, but the whole entire Middle East may want to see sustainable peace because they're sick and tired of ongoing conflicts in the region. You know, they're all, they're branded as a region of conflicts and they want to move on from that to where they want to bring in, you know, um, technology, startups, you know, uh, you know, economic opportunities. You know, the region is so uh, trying to build on its economic uh, empowerment. You know, there's so many things that they want to do to move move away from, you know, ongoing conflict and violence because of, you know, in terms of their image, they're known to be just, you know, a, a, a violent region. So I think this could possibly be a game changer. However, on, on, the, on the contrary, you know, perpetual uh, conflict is, is that is a possibility here beyond a counteroffensive in um, in Gaza that may not necessarily resolve anything right that can fuel more uh, you know uh, radicalism where it can lead to another Hamas 3.0 so there's a sign of you know the possibility that it can escalate into something else so it can go either way. <laughs>
Thank you. Um, I want to go back to the earlier point about um, Israel saying they've destroyed 130 uh, Hamas tunnel shafts. Have you seen any reporting on how many actual Hamas fighters or leaders they're saying they have taken out? Um, there's a lot of speculation um, on, like, different types of numbers of, you know, percentage of how many different um, Hamas leaders. But for the most part, uh, you know, I saw about a couple, not that many. Right. Uh, so there's still more work that needs to be done. But again, because of the because of the the dense pop, the dense terrain, the tunnels, the you know the overall security environment is is pretty much complex. It's going to be harder to target these um, these um, leaders. But what you can also see, not too long ago, as of yesterday, United States pretty much had initiate uh, airstrikes in Syria as a way to as a way to deter these leaders from continuing its um, offensive terrorist activities within the region. So um, that's also part of the effort as far as targeting uh, leaders that are responsible for these heinous um, 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 acts. So we'll see. But for the most part, I think moving forward, we're definitely going to be engaged in targeting uh, the leadership. That, especially those that are involved in this um, initiation of, of targeting Israelis. Right. Yeah. I mean, because I yeah. I've seen a handful. To your point, like I mean, I don't know. It's probably in the tens, from what I understand, right. which is a hugely disproportionate number through the thousands. People mm -hmm. want to question the validity of the numbers, but at a minimum, thousands of Palestinians have been killed as a result of these strikes. And I remember when. Uh, after so many neighborhoods have been leveled, uh, there was reporting of, like, well, Hamas has all these tunnels. And I said, okay, well, hold up now. They got tunnels. So then why, why the, 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 the schools and, and the other buildings being leveled if they in tunnels? What's that supposed to do? I'm just curious, what does leveling apartment buildings and, and, and neighborhoods do if there are all these tunnels that Hamas is under? I'm just curious, from just a military standpoint, does that actually serve any purpose? Um, it's really complex in terms of looking at this uh, uh, security uh, environment. But for the most part, the tunnels within definitely uh, make it harder to, it, to target specific leadership. And as far as leveling, level setting the, the environment, it's extremely hard, you know. And we learned that lesson as a result of Hamas actually uh, being able to uh, penetrate through the Iron Dome because of the fact that that, that was a clear sign that the intelligence um, gathering wasn't necessarily effective getting the whole picture. It's harder to target or be able to effectively maneuver in this, this security environment because of the fact that it's hard to get a good picture of what's exactly inside of there, especially with the fact that the, of the tunnels and other uh, other areas of, conce of uh, concealment, uh, it makes it harder for us to be able to operate effectively in there. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to go to Teresa. You have the next question. Well, thank you so much for that information. I think the high-level overview of kind of what's going on is exactly what we need because there are a lot of different reports. Um, do you feel like the U.S. is doing all it can, um, especially with the funds that are being sent over there, or do you feel like we can do more? I think the United States uh, is playing a responsible role right now where they can do what they can. Um, again, just seeking for 
a four-hour delay or trying to seek for a three-hour delay in order to provide humanitarian assistance and continuing hostage affairs is very important. Um, it also helps meet halfway when it comes to the ceasefire, because right now, when you look at the rest of the region, uh, the, the Arab countries, uh, the United Nations, they're calling for a ceasefire. Meanwhile, you see that the Israel wants to continue its counteroffensive. So I think the United States, for the most part, is trying to balance out between the two, uh, but in but leaning more towards ensuring that we don't continue, we don't create a, a humanitarian disaster, and that that if we are going to be targeting Hamas, it has to be extremely. There has to be some sort of precision with it so that we can avoid, you know, uh, um, impacting local innocent civilians. So for the most part, I think it is a very hard situation because the, the terrain is extremely complex and the politicalization of it is extremely sensitive. So I think the position in terms of the United States, um, you know, it's, it's, that's just how it looks right now, but extremely hard to, to, to navigate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I think it doesn't look like it's precise. It looks so imprecise to the point of almost being intentionally imprecise. I mean, we've had so many of the buildings leveled in Palestine. Uh, the Jabalia refugee camp was bombed one day, and then they said, well, we, we think we got a leader, and then they bombed it two additional days after that. And so how is—this is a very critical moment um, for a number of reasons, right? But even just politically speaking, it doesn't seem like this issue necessarily did any harm to Democrats uh, in the, mid the the elections that we just saw on Tuesday. But how is how is this going to be explained? The the level of carnage that we're seeing, the level of destruction that we're seeing in Gaza to people that understanding it is a complex issue. Many of us are, you know, have always kind of been like, oh, I'm not touching that. I don't know enough about it. I'm not going to really comment on it. But it's very much in our face now what we're seeing happen in Gaza. It'd be one thing if we saw people in some camouflage out there shooting off rockets or something. But what we're seeing is children and women mostly being uh, killed. Um, so how, how, how does... How does the White House grapple with that? Because just changing some of the language and kind of saying, you know, what well, we believe in and, and, and Gazans have a right to self-determination, I think that there's a disconnect between that language and what we're seeing happening on the ground. So what do you think? How, how, does, how does that messaging get through um, despite what we're seeing? Yes, thank you for that question. So if you notice over time, since the start of the conflict up until now, the message has been shifting um, from, you know, showing full support to Israel, now continuing to, we're shifting towards showing support for Israel as well as the Palestinians. Yeah. So I think for the most part, the, uh, the administration is showing, uh, you know, adapting to what the public wants to hear, as well as what they're seeing, too, as well. Yeah. Um, I think, to what what we have to take into account as well, as far as the media cycle goes, there's always going to be this coverage of these depictions of young people or the Gazans being, you know, impacted from this. So, so at the end of the day, we have to explain what is going on. And then what you're seeing is a strategy after strategy is being, uh, you know, promoted by the, the White House, for instance. You know, uh, we got to make sure that 
We address Islamophobia, anti-Semitism. Uh, we show care for the children. Uh, we show care for the uh, the um, innocent civilians in Gaza. So I think you're going to just see more and more of that messaging. And then also, too, what's uh, uh, what's interesting to note as far as from the start of this uh, conflict up until now, many of us are not really informed about the conflict. It, right. It's we're we're on a big learning curve as a nation as far as what exactly does this look like but i am deeply impressed how quick we have been able to learn more about it to now where we're becoming more firm about making sure that uh the palestinians are being protected uh the palestinians are treated fairly and that we also condemning what has happened to uh innocent israelis so um so you're seeing where, you know, it's, it, you know, we start off not as informed, but there is this quick learning curve and, and you're seeing this firm stance on, on you know, uh, support and fairness. Now, at the White House, what I do like is that uh, President Biden and also Vice President Harris is constantly being um, engaging with, you know, different groups, uh, just uh, Israelis as well as Palestinians, Muslim groups, to help shape those messaging points, to help uh, to learn or understand what exactly is going on. So their eyes and ears are definitely open to learning about the implications. And the more they do that, I think the better that the messaging will be coming out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender of the White House. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have seen a shift in the rhetoric and the messaging. The ground stuff got to catch up, though, to the messaging, because you can, you can sound sympathetic, but when you're still seeing people suffering in the way that they have, I mean, we're talking about people who don't even have 
bread, water, electricity, they don't have communications for extended period of times. There's a disconnect between the rhetoric and the messaging and the help that's actually reaching the people of Palestine and, and Gaza. Uh, I'm going to let Dr. Carr have the last question yeah. and word on this one. Thank you, Reese. Uh, thank you, Ms. Casaberry Hernandez. With all due respect, this isn't complex at all. Israel has been in violation of international law for decades. All of this, all of the settler, all of the settlements are illegal by international law. The UN uh, human rights chief today, yesterday, called what's going on this collective punishment of uh, by Israel of Palestinian citizens a war crime. It's very clear that the criminal prime minister of Israel, perhaps to avoid going to jail himself from some completely unrelated stuff. Has, has, has determined to wipe out the Palestinians. It's not—the White House really can't shape the messaging at this point. Uh, they've lost the messaging war. And so my question, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about Arabs versus Jews. I'm not talking about Israelis versus Palestinians. I might mention, however, since the Oslo II Accords grants the Palestinian National Authority maritime jurisdiction over up to 20 nautical miles off of Gaza's coast and uh, close to a trillion dollars of national natural gas has been discovered off that coast within those waters. And on October 30th, the Israelis signed a deal with at least a half dozen more energy companies to tap that gas, not to mention the Ben-Gurion Canal, which would replace the Suez Canal, having nothing to do with old religious hatreds, ancient hatreds of settler colonialism. My question is, how much more time can the Israeli military continue to kill, to slaughter human beings who have nothing to do with Hamas, while the world opinion has turned against them. The United Nations has said this is a war crime, an act of genocide. And even yesterday in Tokyo, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a black man, Charles Brown, said, as the longer this goes on, the worse it is for this pariah—he didn't call it a pariah state. I'm calling Israel a pariah state, not the citizens, because they're quieting the citizens in Israel who are against this as well. Charles Brown said this needs to end because the longer it goes on, the worse it's going to be for the Israeli government and the Israeli military. How much more time, in the limited time Israel has to conduct this slaughter, will they continue to conduct this slaughter, in your estimable opinion? I, I think they're running out of time. Um, you know, uh, as you can see, that international consensus continues to grow. You know, they've mentioned the UN as well as in the in in the region from the neighboring countries. Uh, so, in, in my opinion, it's you know we're at a tipping point where you know they they are running out of time, and that this counteroffensive is going to be. Uh, quite uh, ugly moving forward. Um, another point, too, to mention is that there is um, a lot of uh, speculation covered on, in the media with regards to the prospects of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu as far as being the prime minister. And I think there, as that comes out more and more, that's going to shape how we're going to move forward in the region. And that's going to also further criticize uh, how they're moving forward in, in the counteroffensive or just continue to monitor it effectively. But for the most part, I think it, it's looking really good in terms of that national—I mean, that international consensus continuing to grow. And, in, and then you also could see within the American people that's exactly what they want. And the more pressure that's being applied, the better, I think. But as far as time goes, I think it's just— um, it's inevitable, and, and for the most part, I think they're running out of time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
Asha Casaberry hernandez you've been wonderful. You've been so informative. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right, y'all. We'll be back with more Roland Martin Unfiltered. You are watching the Black Star Network. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, inflation is on the rise. Interest rates are high. Can you still thrive during these uncertain times? On the next Get Wealthy, you're gonna meet a woman who's done just that, living proof of what you need to do to flourish during these uncertain times. These are times where you take advantage of what's going on. This is how people get rich or richer. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, we welcome the Black Star Network's very own Roland Martin, who joins us to talk about his new book, White Fear, how the browning of America is making white folks lose their minds. The book explains so much about what we're going through in this country right now and how, as white people head toward becoming a racial minority, it's going to get, well, let's just say even more interesting. We are going to see more violence. We're going to see more vitriol because as each day passes, it's, it, it is a nail in that coffin. The one and only Roland Martin on the next Black Table, right here on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie. I'm Faraji Muhammad, live from LA, and this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Me, Sherry Shepard, and you know what you're watching, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Today, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments for the United States versus Rahimi case, which could have profound implications for Americans' safety against gun violence. Rahimi focuses on whether the government has the authority to disarm those who have been issued a restraining order for domestic abuse. Joining me now are Stasha Rhodes, the campaign director of United for Democracy, and Alma G. Davis, founder and CEO of the Alma Domestic Violence Foundation in Atlanta, to discuss the implications of this case. Stasha, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, give us a little bit more background on this case and the implications. Yeah, absolutely. Look, first, I want to say thank you for having me. But most importantly, thank you for covering this case. 
There's a lot happening in our world, uh, as you all know, and it's so easy to bypass a seemingly sleepy SCOTUS oral arguments, but it's really important that we don't wait to talk about these cases after the decisions are issued in June, but that we shine a light now and spread the word now about the cases that are on the docket. So thank you for covering this today. Um, so look, this case involves a current federal law that makes it a crime to possess a gun if a court has determined that someone is a threat to their intimate partner, their child, or their partner's child. This particular case involves Mr. Rahimi, who was convicted of violating this federal law after he violently assaulted his ex-girlfriend in a parking lot and then shot a gun when he noticed that others had witnessed his abuse. He then allegedly called the ex-girlfriend and threatened to shoot her if she told anyone that he'd assaulted her. So Mr. Rahimi is challenging this federal law, saying that it's unconstitutional to prevent him from owning a, a firearm because it's against his Second Amendment right. If the court decides to rule in favor of Mr. Rahimi, it would be a massive victory for the NRA and would put firearms back in the hands of people who are subject to domestic violence restraining orders. Preventing domestic abusers from accessing firearms is common sense, life-saving, and constitutional. We've seen that this law works. Now, did I hear you correctly? He was convicted of a crime, too, right? That's exactly right. Of a violent crime. Assault against his girlfriend, a violent crime. And look, we've seen that existing federal laws have been extremely effective in protecting families when a court has already determined that there is a threat of danger, which is what, the, in this case, Mr. Rahimi had been um, determined by the court. Okay, so they already had a restraining order on him, and then he committed this crime with a gun, despite having a restraining order. So with the restraining order, was the gun taken away from him at that time? It wasn't taken away. Well, I'm not... I guess it's unclear how he got access to the gun. Okay. The, the true fact of the case is that he violated the federal law that says after you have been convicted of um, assaulting a, an intimate partner and been given a restraining order, then you're not allowed to possess a gun. And Mr. Rahimi violated that federal law. Well, <laughs> if anything should be a no-brainer, it should be this, but we do have a very conservative court. Any indications as to where... Is there an appetite from the justices on this court to overturn this? What is your... What is your, your take on this? Listen, this is... This would not be unusual for this court to do the most conservative thing possible. We've seen this particular 6-3 conservative or extreme conservative majority take some pretty extreme stances. Uh, this case comes before the court two years after this same Supreme Court issued a landmark 6-3 decision in a New York case striking down a public carry law. Uh, and part of what makes this a little bit difficult is that in that case, Justice Clarence Thomas uh, said that our current laws the government should demonstrate that the regulation is consistent with the nation's historical tradition, which is a ridiculous new legal precedent that would require gun safety laws to be similar to laws in 1791 through 1868. And so it is unclear what this court will do, but it will not be surprising if they have the most extreme conservative ruling against um, uh, the American people. Um, I'm going to bring you in a second, but I know, Sasha, that you... Uh, we ran a little over, so you have to go in a second. So I have one more question for you. Um, if this were to be overturned at the federal level, does that have any implications at the state levels where there might already be laws to this effect, or is it just go to the states for, for them to decide? 
Absolutely, this would have tremendous implications for state laws across our country, as did the Bruin decision. Uh, I think that, you know, usually when the Supreme Court rules on cases, it, is more, it means more than just that one case. It has tremendous implications for state laws across our country. And look, as our country reels from yet another um, mass shooting in Maine, we know that action is long overdue. Gun violence prevention groups across the country have been working to make states and our nation safer, but they face an ultimate roadblock of a Supreme Court that is hostile to common sense. And we think that we need a Supreme Court that understands the importance of advancing public safety as achieving an important government interest. We're not confident that this Supreme Court is going to take the necessary steps to protect us all from gun violence. That's why it's important for us to be talking about this case now. Right. Stasha, thank you so much for your expertise and sounding the alarm on this case. Thank you for having me. Alma, Sasha just mentioned the, the recent mass shooting that happened in Maine. We know from uh, the, the statistics that many of these mass shootings um, actually involve people who have had domestic situations. You are the CEO of the Alma Domestic Violence Foundation. Talk about how domestic violence is not just a woman's issue. It is a public safety issue, if you can. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me on this evening um, to discuss such such a, an important topic. Um, when we talk about domestic violence, most people automatically assume this is something that's being attributed only to women, and that is far from the truth. When we look at statistics, you look at one out of seven, I'm sorry, one out of four women, one out of seven males. But when you understand that only 5% of cases are reported, mm -hmm. as, well, as well as it is a number one issue in the LGBTQ community, it is a number one issue on college campuses. You have millions of children a year, over 10 million children a year witnessing domestic violence. This is not a one size fits all and only, and only women experience that. Um, as we see gun violence ramping up, it is making it a lot harder for those suffering from domestic violence to, A, number one, want to go uh, to the police or, or want to get help because leaving is the most dangerous time for someone that is experiencing domestic violence. And when you have been threatened uh, by your abuser, especially someone that has a firearm in the house, and they are not only threatening you, they might be threatening your children or your animals, um, it's hard for you to leave. And then not having the confidence to know that if you move ahead, you get a TPO, which is a temporary protective order, or this person has been convicted of domestic violence and they are able to go get a firearm after their conviction, it makes it a lot harder for that person to leave and it makes it a lot harder for that person to feel safe. Absolutely. I mean, it's already there's a perception and, and in many cases it's true that to even get a protective order, the standard is so high and you have to prove so much abuse is already happening. So this would obviously undermine um, the safety and even the, 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 the potential of protection. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. From women and to your point, men who experience domestic violence from around the country. I'm going to bring the panel in since they've been on hold. I'm going to give the first question to Teresa. Thank you so much um, for that information. Is there a way um, that we could really, you know, take a look at? Um, I think on the federal side, I'm you know, okay with some of the gun laws. Um, but I think, you know, as we even look at this case, is there a way we could, you know, add in, you know, a psych evaluation, you know, especially for this case to ensure that, you know, those who are convicted, you know, are inside of the system to see if they uh, mentally have the capacity to even own a gun? Um, you know, being a, a domestic violence advocate, we are open to all of those things. We would love to see those things happen. Now, how easily would that be passed? That's a whole different, whole different situation. Um, uh, with the standard gun laws, we would hope that you know that those things are being checked, and we know that there, that some are, some are not. Um, but that would be an excellent resource to be able to add. But how, if if we're having a hard time right now, we're in court trying to get. Uh, TPOs uh, passed to where people, once they've been convicted, cannot have possess a firearm. Um, I'm not sure on the the boundaries or the things that would prohibit or or make it mandatory for someone who has been convicted to to have a psych have a psych evaluation. Dr. Carr. Thank you, uh, thank you, Reese, and uh, thank you, uh, Ms. Davis. Um, yeah, listening to the oral arguments in the case uh, on Tuesday, it was interesting because, you know, John Roberts, uh, Chief Justice, asked the attorney for Rahini, you don't have any doubt that your client is a dangerous person, do you? And, of course, he couldn't defend the guy. I, I guess I don't expect that this case is going—they're not going to rule for Rahini. I think that they're going to um, probably overturn that crazy— Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is, of course, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. So I don't think that's going to be the issue. The question will be, it seems to me, and I think it was addressed a little bit earlier um, uh, by Sister Rhodes, 
and that is how, how far they go with regard to that New York State rifle versus Bruin case from last year, where they basically saying, if you've got a gun, it, it takes almost the devil himself to take it out of your hand, because we don't want to overturn all the gun laws. My question to you, um, really, as, like you said, a domestic violence advocate, and clearly in a case where this is a clearly open and shut case of a dangerous person who is, you know, just out of control, what is your best hope for if they overturn, because it seemed like Alito and Thomas were the only ones with any appetite at all to, to upholding this crazy uh, appeals court decision. What is your best hope that maybe the Supreme Court, because Katani Brown-Jackson was making this point over and over again, you know, usually in the minority, but in this case, maybe she can make some sense of this, that they might actually use this, use this decision as an attempt to kind of restrict and rein in some of the Bruin decision where they basically said gun rights trump damn near everything else, including domestic abuse. But this seems like such an egregious case that they're not going to up uphold it. But what is your best hope that this decision might be, might, might come out as? My best hope um, would be that they would continue, that they would throw out uh, the dismissal and, and obviously continue on. I know in Georgia, once you've been convicted um, of anything dealing with domestic violence or any type of fa uh, family violence, you are not able to get a, um, a firearm. So the best hope is, is that that will be continued. Um, if for some odd reason it does get overturned, uh, that makes our job as advocates a little bit harder, but it gives us an opportunity to continue educating people on what domestic violence is, how do we keep people safe, how do we give people the tools they need um, well before they get into that type of situation to, 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 to avoid being in that situation because of things like this. Um, one of the things that we are dealing with, I know in the, in the DV world, is already there has been a large cut uh, due, to, uh, due to funding. Of, of VOCA funding, VOCA and VOWA funding has been cut. And so that's a fight that we're in right now because the number of domestic violence incidents is clearly on the rise. When you look at family violence and just violence in, in all in terms, and you look at the amount of things that is going on from when you look at people continuing to lose jobs, you got AI coming in, taking jobs, domestic violence is not decreasing. Um, it will continue to increase and therefore as I stated, our job is to continue to go out to advocate, to find resources, um, and to hopefully um, keep as many people out of this situation as possible. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Lauren, you get the last question. Uh, what is the percentage of domestic violence cases that involve uh, use of a firearm? Uh, in Georgia, I know um, we, I think it's right at 87, 83 or 87% was the last rate of, of uh, uh, people that were deceased due to uh, domestic violence um, and, and domestic, I'm sorry, due to um, loss of life uh, and domestic violence. Um, but that's, those are the rates for Georgia. I'm not quite sure for the rates for the entire United States, but I know those are the rates for Georgia. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Dr. Carr, I want to return to you for one second. So. Do you predict that maybe if this isn't uh, upheld uh, for Rahimi, that this can actually reusher in some of the um, the gun uh, control that was undone by their last decision? I'm trying to make sure I mm -hmm. understood that correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think this is their conundrum. 
Breezy. I mean, this guy is so clearly out of control. And yeah. the Fifth Circuit, they've been, in fact, it seems like a great deal of this court, which we know is extremely right wing, but a great deal of their work is reversing this crazy Fifth Circuit. Mm. In fact, these MAGA folk have succeeded too well in the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit, uh, they declared a whole entire federal agency unconstitutional. Right. Uh, you know, they talked about seizing control of us, that states have the ability to seize control of content on Twitter. Mm. And, and and so John Robertson and me like, except Thomas and Alito. So listening to the oral arguments the other day in Rahini, it's clear that they're not going to uphold this. I would be very surprised if they uphold it. But the question, to the point that you're raising, the question is how they're going to get around it. Mm. Because Ketanji Brown-Jackson was slamming them on the Brewer case. Yeah. Because we know in that case, of course, they're saying you don't have, if it wasn't on the books in 1791, damn it, you can't do anything about it. But now, now you're going to let this guy out the, the cage now. Mm. You, is this what you're going to do? So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. They're probably going to try to make as narrow a ruling as possible. They might even say Brewer doesn't apply to Rahini, mm -hmm. but they're going to have to do some legal gymnastics that is going to stink to high heaven if they just try to restrict this case to this case only. Of course, we've seen it before. It's called Bush versus Gore. Right. Well, we know they'll do any kind of legal gymnastics, but let's hope that's, for the best in this situation. Right. Alma, how can folks follow you and support the work that you do? Yes, um, our, you can follow us via Instagram, any type of social media under Alma underscore DVF or Alma Domestic Violence Foundation. Um, we not only serve clients in Georgia, we serve clients all over this, all over the country. Um, last year, we even worked with clients in South Korea. So we're not just we're located inside of Atlanta, but we have services all over the country. So yes, they can follow us on any of our Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, um, or call us directly to our office um, where we service clients. Thank you again, Alma, for the work that you do. And thank you again, Stasha Rhodes, for her expertise a little bit earlier. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. We'll be right back. on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Bye -bye, bye -bye.
Sean Murray, the executive producer. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The new Sherry Shepard Talk Show. This is your boy, Earthquake. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. During Wednesday night's third Republican debate, South Carolina Senator and the only black candidate, Tim Scott, bragged about how the party is winning back black and Hispanic voters. See the combination of the three. Ambassador, thank Truth you. of my life destroys the lies of the radical left. We need a president and a candidate who will actually help our base solidify and attract independent voters into our party. The Great Opportunity Party is now winning back African-American voters and Hispanic voters because we are working on a foundation based on faith. Our nation is facing some deep challenges. It is the loss of faith in this nation that is a part of the erosion that we're seeing every single day. It's restoring faith, restoring our Christian values that will help this nation once again become the city on the hill. When Ronald Reagan talked about the city on the hill, he was coming from Matthew 5. When President Lincoln talked about a house divided, that was Mark, our founding documents speak to the importance of a faith foundation. You don't have to be a Christian for America to work for you, but America does not work without a faith-filled Judeo-Christian foundation. I would be the president that helps us restore faith in God, faith in each other, and faith in our future. Without that focus, none of the issues, the policies matter. We have to get back to being a nation that is, in fact, the city on the hill that believes in each other enough 
for us to fight Scott, for that future. You. Senator Scott. I want to bring in my panel to get their thoughts on what Tim Scott said. Dr. Carr, I saw you alternating between laughing and shaking your head. What you got to say about 2% polling to Tim <laughs> and how he's winning over the black why, vote? Why you do that to me, sis? I mean, you know, if Tim Scott weren't so damn cowardly, mm. if he wasn't such a punk on things like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, lying to the family of George Floyd and to all of us. If he wasn't such a punk, I, I may have more sympathy for him because, I mean, you know, he's struggling to overcome his challenges, challenges of articulation, challenges of nervousness, of nervousness. challenges of uh, finding some... Uh, I'm glad this, the actor strike is over so that he could produce a girlfriend last night. <laughs> Mom and everybody else came to stage and then, you know, grab her lightly around the waist. Got to be careful. Ooh. But... That has to be careful because, you know, they're not going to love you, son. Mm. You can quote the Bible. You can battering ram theocracy. This is not a theocracy. At least we hope it won't become one. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you saw your young protege, young Dan Cameron, lose in Kentucky. And every other Republican won by at least 700,000 votes, some almost 800,000, while young Dan got about 620,000 votes, meaning what? Even the white nastiness will not vote for a black person. Your audition for vice president has failed. That was, an, that, that was a painful thing to watch last night, although I must admit the food fight between Ramaswamy and uh, Nehandra Haley was kind of interesting. Tim Scott is an embarrassment. And he's reached his ceiling, and he should probably be quiet now and take his actress, white woman, girlfriend back to where she came from. And, and, and I should stop. I should really stop because y'all get me in trouble. I have no problem with interracial marriages, and uh, I don't, and even interracial relationships. I don't know that Tim Scott is in one, but he should stop. He should just stop. Stop, Tim. Stop, brother. Just stop. Well, you know, Daniel Cameron has a white wife, so maybe casting a white wife wasn't the right time. He should have waited for the poll results, election results to come out before he made his final selection, before he gave that final rose out. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Tim Scott, I don't know about that central casting choice. I think it's interesting that he spent the last many months allowing people to think he was gay as opposed to just coming out with his white woman. If he's been with her for a year, he should have came out with her right away. That way, all you could have put all the other stuff to rest. But, you know, Lauren, um, what do you think about Tim's performance and the unveiling of his Christian girlfriend last night? Is that bigger, <laughs> a bigger deal than anything that he had to say or what? Come on, y'all. Why can't y'all let Timmy be Timmy? Why, why, can't, why do y'all mess with him? I don't know uh, what to make of the girlfriend thing. I don't know why there couldn't have been a straight answer. There's any one of a number of answers that you could have had, uh, which could have just been, I'm just not in a relationship right now. Like, right. Who cares? Like, but he made a bigger deal about it by being uneasy about it. And then it, it just is like, wait, wait a minute. And of course, the donors are uneasy because they want to see a straight male up there. Let's right. just be real. Right. So they, they were trying to investigate to figure out, okay, is he gay? What is going on here? Uh, but maybe nothing is going on. But Tim Scott is just an uneasy character. And the reason he's an uneasy character, of course, is because he is this black avatar for white conservatives that they need to prop up when they need to say something and it has the message has to go through him. You know, uh, of course, that is not something unique to the Republican Party, but in a party where there's not that many black folks, you know, these sort of Cameron, Tim Scott figures become very valuable with regard to messaging. Uh, but it is particularly um, 
ridiculous in the age that we live in with Donald Trump around and race riots in Charlottesville and all sorts of other racial tension brought on by Donald Trump that you have a black U.S. senator running for president and never mentioning any of this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Christian values, is he kidding? What what in, what about Christian values allows you to vote against people's health care? Mm. Uh, mm. What about Christian values allows you to vote against poor people and poverty programs and the child tax credits and all these things that uh, you would think you know, uh, Christian values would indicate. So it was interesting that he brought that up, uh, because really, dude, are you kidding me? Where is that? Where is that reflected in your policy? So the problem with Tim Scott is that he likes to talk in platitudes. He likes to talk in talking points and generalities. And once you get into specificity, which you ultimately have to get into when you're running for president, he's flat cold busted. It's as simple as that. He got flat cold busted in the diner with some dude that just said to him, look, I've never seen you stand up to Donald Trump. I mean, that was a real simple question. He got ticked off because he's not used to pushback. And yeah. People who are not used to pushback, who don't take questions in the hallway at the U.S. Capitol, can't handle running for president of the United States. So that's the problem generally with Tim Scott. Oh, yeah, that nice little down-home Christian man went right out the window. He had a little tipper on him. But, you know, I, I do think it's interesting to to Dr. Carr's point earlier how they're not going to love you. I remember when all this discussion around his girlfriend or his spouse or whatever came up, he said it was like 1963 all over again. They can't call him black, so they talk about his relationship. So now I guess you can put that to bed. Uh, <laughs> Teresa, do you think, though, that... Tim Scott is what's going to bring the blacks over to the Republican Party as he's claiming there's a surge of support. I do not. Um, I think we had a better chance with Kanye West. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, uh, every time I look at um, Senator Scott's, uh, you know, uh, earlier videos when it's like from cotton fields to Congress and he's on the farm in the background, he's like, this is where I was from. I'm just like looking at your age, like, no, you were not. But, right. Um, you know, it was, you know I, I think he's living, you know, in this delusion um, because you are the only African-American in this race that um, African-Americans are just ultimately going to support you. Um, and I think, again, that's just a delusion and weird political consulting that is taking place. When you haven't made those type of investments that really hit the home and the hearts of people um, that look like you, and every time we see you, you're standing behind something negative or something extreme that goes against the values, and then you want to stand today and then, one, try to use your pastoral voice um, in order to figure out, you know, maybe this, if it were for um, Senator Warnock, maybe it'll work for me. Um, or <laughs> <laughs> Justin Pearson, or is it Justin Jones? Which one of them has a little pastor voice? Yeah, yeah. Justin Pearson. Okay, Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Tracy, were you done? <laughs> I just I had... think we got the message. Yeah, I think we got it. You okay, know, okay. Senator Scott is uh, just trying on a whole bunch of levels to just figure out the best way because he doesn't know where his base is. His yeah. base is, you know, um, conservative white women who, you know, want to ban books um, and history, you know. And then we have um, Senator Haley, who is now all of a sudden for abortion rights, you know. Oh, I know that. Yeah. 
So, um, so yeah, there's a whole bunch going on that I think we just need to, again, with these folks who have been in public office and in the public sphere for quite some time, is that we take a look at their records. And so it's almost like we got to do a record check yeah. for those, you know, want to run for, you know, this seat that, you know, really determines, uh, you know, where dollars are spent, you know, our livelihood, our protections, our freedoms, and really see who's really putting on the performance or who's really to do, um, right. going to do the job for the American people. Yeah. Well, you brought up abortion rights. Speaking of which, New Jersey ex-governor Chris Christie had this to say about his party's stance on being pro-life. Here's the bigger issue, Kirsten. The bigger issue is, and Tim began to touch on this, we're not pro-life for the whole life. To be pro-life for the whole life means that the life of a 16-year-old drug addict on the floor of the county lockup is precious and we should get treatment for her to restore her life. The 52-year-old who's drug addicted should make sure that any of his children who he's passed that addiction on to are treated well too. Pro-life's not just in the womb, Kirsten. It's for the whole life. Uh, damn it, I agree with Chris Christie on that. Now, I don't think his record reflects the rhetoric that he's feeling up there, but... I mean, I do think, Lauren, and I want to go to you on this, if any of these Republicans were even remotely reasonable, there might be a little bit of an appetite for people to support them. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they never seem to choose the option and the strategy of, of broadening the tent of ideas in the Republican Party to get more support. That never seems to be on the table, you know? Yeah. We saw a situation with picking the speaker where every option is on the table except agreeing with the Democrats on a consensus, uh, consensus candidate, because we can't be caught dead broadening the tent or moderating in any way. It's always got to be the, 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 the solution to everything has got to be some sort of zero-sum type of thing. And mm -hmm. on an issue so personal like abortion, which I can never figure out why the Republican Party that talks so much, at least the traditional Republican Party, talks about getting government out of people's lives, suddenly wants to be in your life when it comes to the most important decisions that an individual has to make. Typically, two individuals have to make. Yeah. And why it's anybody else's business other than those two individuals, I haven't figured out yet. As long as those two individuals are above the age of 18, I'm not sure why that's the case, but the Republican Party, for some reason, wants to get wrapped around the axle on this issue. And now this Dobbs decision is making them pay yeah. big time at the polls, which, which is what we just saw in Virginia. We'd already seen it in several other states, but Virginia really confirmed it because these candidates in Virginia were running abortion ads like you never want to believe in terms right. of pro-choice. And they all pretty much, most of them won mm. on that message. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge problem for the Republican Party as long as they want to have absolutist views, which apparently they want to have, and they're going to keep losing. Yeah. And losing, yeah. losing is typically what makes a strategy in politics change, but we'll see. Well, the Republicans also believe they could just cheat their way to win it too, you know. But obviously abortion is a hugely losing issue for them on a broader scale. Sure, it's fine in Mississippi and Louisiana and these uh, deep red states, Idaho, but when you're talking about purplish states or even like red, but like just on the other side of purple red, it's not a winning issue. I did see some change in rhetoric. You, th there wasn't as much talk about a national abortion ban as more of states' rights, which is a shift. And Teresa, I'm gonna go to you on this because you brought this up as well. 
Nikki Haley. She tried to moderate her rhetoric around abortion, saying, well, you know, there are people that are, you shouldn't judge people based on their abortion stance. There are people that are, you know, pro-choice, uh, and I don't agree with them, but, you know, that's, they, they voted. Do you think anybody's going to buy that any of these Republicans, like Nikki Haley, are suddenly more moderate, which is still extreme to me to even be uh, abortion, pro-abortion the way they are? I'm sorry, anti-abortion. But do you think anybody's going to buy this slight pivot that they're trying to do? Mm. Not at all, unless it is a voter who hasn't paid attention to the record. And yeah. that's why I said really need to go and set the record straight. I think, you know, Nikki Haley's team has been doing their due diligence and reading what's been happening uh, since the election. Pennsylvania is a purple state. And now, you know, because Republicans have been running on the message of abortion rights and, you know, like, literally, like, it, it was just insane. But now, you know, Pennsylvania Democratic Party, in its first time in history, had superior, supreme, Commonwealth, all Democrats, and a clean slate across the finish line. And guess what? They were actually talking about pro-choice. Yeah. But, you know, media is covering that. They're saying, you know, um, that, that the issue is that um, Republicans, you know, are, are, are just one way. And what I think Nikki is actually trying to show is that, hey, I can change my mind, especially if I'm going to the higher office. I can <laughs> change my mind, especially that um, I, I'm starting to listen to, to the surface of what it's saying. So I think all of them really, you know, if they, if they really believe what um, they're hearing on the ground, then policies do change. And honestly, when we ask for, you know, our uh, elected officials to do is to look at the facts, listen to the people, and create the narrative that'll get you across the finish line, but also make sure that you're actually going to implement it once you're there. Now, do we believe, back to your original question, Nikki Haley is actually going to, um, you know, do we believe her that she is uh, pro-choice? Likely no, but I think it's a great talk of point that if others want to get in line, they can also do the same thing. Right. I, I, I mean, if she's auditioning for VP or maybe if she delusionally thinks that she can take on Donald Trump or maybe he'll be in jail and drop out, I don't know, um, then obviously sounding less extreme on abortion is a politically intelligent thing to do. But we all know that she's going to appoint the same uh, 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 anti-choice judges that any of these other candidates will. So rhetoric, be damned. We know what you're actually going to do. Before I go to you, Dr. Carr, I did want to address Vivek Ramaswamy. I enjoy Nikki Haley knocking his head around. But what I did not appreciate was the way that he came after Kristen Welker last night. I, I... That felt... I mean, we, I know that uh, Donald Trump talked about, you know, Megyn Kelly, and he was disrespectful to her. I don't remember if he said the blood coming over, out of her eyes or whatever. I feel like that was in an interview after the fact. I don't even think he had that energy on stage. But for him to open up, coming out swinging on the black woman, you have two black moderators, and he attacks the black woman, demanding that he answer, she answer a question that was more of an accusation and just foaming at the mouth, being an asshole. That is disgusting. I feel like he only did that because she is a black woman and he already knows that 
there isn't going to be a galvanization against him the same way that Donald Trump, yes, he ended up winning, but people were dragging Donald Trump for a little bit over his disrespect of Megyn Kelly. And I don't, I, did it even trend how disrespectful he was? It's being treated as though, yeah, he's taking it to the damn and That's just disgusting, anti-black, disrespectful behavior. You are a punk-ass bitch, Vivek, for <laughs> punching down on Kristen Welker, knowing that she's going to be a professional and not check the hell out of you like she would have. And let's the hope, I ain't surprised that you ain't say nothing, but God damn it, if a black woman is being attacked right next to you just doing her job, you should have spoke up too. Dr. Carr, what do you think about that whole exchange and the lack of outrage, unless I missed it, that we're seeing around him blatantly disrespecting a moderator? No, no, you're, of course, you're absolutely right. Uh, Reese, you're absolutely right. I mean, th th there's even less discussion of this, meaning no discussion of this, than there was about the fact that young damn Cameron lost in Kentucky because we refused to let Breonna Taylor down. Mm -hmm. No discussion. You see Joe Scarborough with his, you know, soft white nastiness behind and his partner sitting up in there, and then they want to make what happened in Kentucky about abortion. There's no discussion of black women. There's no discussion of black men, but in this particular case, there's no discussion of black women. Now, Kristen Walker, you know, it's interesting. You know, I lived in Philly for almost 20 years. I consider myself an adopted Philadelphian. And Chris, Kristen Walker, of course, came to the national media stage after years of being on on local television in, in Philly. She's a known quantity in Philadelphia. She's very professional. She continued to carry it the way that black women have to carry it so, so many times right. in public. And, and Vivek. Ramaswamy is, as Nikki Haley said last night, scum. Scum. You know, it's hard. It's hard to look him in the face because you're too bad looking at his uh, his brutal fronts <laughs> and whatever white uh, paste and 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 and, and, and that, that he has in his mouth. But he's desperate too. Yeah. He knows. I mean, he's talking crazy. But it, to 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 borrow from the book of Reese, and I, I'll do this with a little bit of glee. I mean, somebody should slap the shit out of him oh, yeah. on stage. <laughs> well, I mean, because <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, dude. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. You know, we are now in a politics, and again, this is why I always appreciate not only this forum and this venue and this platform and the conversations we have, because it's so vital, but when we hear the political analysis of people like Lauren Victoria Burke and what happened in Virginia, just because Northam is—I'm not North Lord, I'm thinking about like they are the same—just because the current governor is walking around with his little vest and being a little soft, they're all thinking that. Yeah, oh yeah. They're all thinking that, and and it's and it bristles to have black women in positions of power like what's about to happen in the Virginia legislature. It just it just bristles, and Ramaswamy finally is saying the quiet part out loud. You can do that, but he wasn't punching. In my estimation, he wasn't punching down at uh, Kristen Welker. He was punching up because yeah. he's a runt. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender a punk, a little ant-ass punk, and he was punching up at her, and she didn't even, you know, respond, which is what you have to do with punks like that. I don't know if she... I, I, I feel like she could have been, like, <laughs> boy by And, like, give, I mean, like, our black people, I know if we can get held to a higher standard of professionalism and people Absolutely. applauded her, oh, she didn't let him have a moment. I'm sorry, you ain't getting... You, we gonna have a moment together, okay? Because if you sit up there and try to punk me and hold me in front of all these people, think you're gonna yell at me and scold me. And he's sitting up there lying the whole time. Ah, yeah. we gonna have to... You gonna have to give me a pass a little bit. We gonna have to make some viral clips a little bit. But, you know, I understand she can't do that. Everybody is not a recent Cobra chat. Everybody can't get up here and cuss people out on TV. <laughs> but, Lord, I'm gonna give you the last word on this. Uh, you know... Would you have... You know, what could she have... Could she have done anything? Because I feel like she could have done a little stuff. I'm not blaming her, but I feel like... Do we have leeway in 2023 for somebody coming at you crazy to clap back well, just a little bit? Well, I, I'll tell you this. I, I'm from the Bronx, so I typically go the Reese route on stuff like this. <laughs> I think that... Uh, but my mother's from Virginia, so it's genteel and it's nice and it's polite. So I get that style as well. I think that... Ramaswamy is such a clown. There, there comes a time when you just have to, particularly in the world that we live in with the technology that we have, of constant people reactive, constant people saying stuff on social media, Facebook, whatever it is. And, of course, if you do any sort of commentary, you're always putting yourself out there, whether it's YouTube or this show or anything else. You have to make a judgment. Do I want to waste time in my life on this person? Do I want to waste energy on this person? Uh, or do I want to say what Kirsten Welker did, which is... I don't really give a damn. She smiled, and then the moment went on. That's not what I would have done because he's a punk-ass bitch. That's Period. Come on, now. He is a... <laughs> he, he's a dumbass. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. He thinks he's cute. He needs to get socked in the mouth. He's that type of bully that needs to get socked in the mouth. There's just no... There's no other way to really deal with that. That's what I would have done, but I can understand her strategy of doing what she did. But he is clearly just... He shouldn't be on stage. He's a joke. Yeah. He's selling a book. He's not running a presidential campaign. Everybody knows that. He's trying to elevate his profile. This is all a game. The other thing he did, too, if you notice, is he attacked the media. You can never lose attacking the media. Yeah. There's certain groups in this country that you can never lose when you attack. The media is one of them. So he's playing that game. He's playing to the crowd. He thinks he's cute. But I get it, Kirsten. She didn't want to deal with the nonsense. Not my style, but, but, but I get it. I respect what she did, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm never going down a black woman for being a professional, yeah, because it's very hard uh, to come back. After you've had a recent moment, it's hard to come back from that. <laughs> but so I, I respect what she did in that moment. But Lester, you could have said something like, hold up, don't address the moderator. So, you know what I'm saying? Just a little something, but that's not the energy that right. was up there, so that's okay. But, you know, at the end of the day, Vivek, to your point, Lauren, he's auditioning for Trump uh, vice president, but Trump is not going to pick somebody that wants to be vice president this bad. So I don't think that any of these people on this stage are the vice presidential pick for Donald Trump. He's going to pick somebody, maybe Don Jr. or somebody like that, that'll be loyal to him when he is in jail. Okay, that's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. We will be right back with more Roland Martin Unfiltered here on the Black Star Network. I'm Dee Barnes, and next on The Frequency, we have Brio, performance artist and author, writer, singer, and composer, Queen Mother, Nana Camille Yarborough. Please join us for an incredible conversation with knowledge, wisdom, and power of the elders. I'm a perception changer. You're a real ranger. You're a mind evolver and a problem solver. You're a beast eater, a soul excreter, a void filler and a bile spiller. You are a thought warmer, a plan former, a power orchestrator and a tongue translator. Right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Mitchell, a news anchor at Fox 5 DC. Hey, what's up? It's Sammy Roman, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Reynolds has been missing from Mobile, Alabama since May 11, 2023. The 15-year-old is 5 feet 5 inches tall, weighs 215 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Jasmine McReynolds should call the Mobile, Alabama Police Department at 251-208-7211. The black Alabama riverboat co-captain who was attacked on August 5th is facing assault charges. Damian Pickett is charged with third-degree assault, becoming the sixth person charged in the brawl, which happened because a private platoon boat was preventing the Harriet II riverboat from docking along the Montgomery Riverfront, but was blocked by a picket 
who uh, took a smaller boat to the dock to move the platoon boat on his own. But four white voters attacked him, prompting others to defend Pickett, causing a massive melee. Zachary Shipman said in a new complaint that he was not trying to fight Pickett, but was defending himself and suffered a bruised cheekbone after Pickett allegedly punched him in the face. Shipman is charged with assaulting Pickett and is scheduled for the trial later this month. Two people have already pled guilty to their roles in the August incident. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who are you gonna believe, me or your lying eyes? Because I know I saw them white men hit Damien first. So, uh-uh, not guilty, I'm gonna stick beside him. But I, it's enough black people out there where <laughs> I don't know if it's, a major, if it's a majority like it is in Louisiana or unanimous, but not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Teresa, what do you think about these charges being brought so late in this brawl that obviously Damien was a victim of? One, I'm, I'm, I'm again disgusted after seeing that video. Again, it's, it's bringing about back the same trauma that I had when I first watched it of angst heartfelt sadness and just disgust and wishing I was there in that moment to help him. Damien is a victim. Damien deserves justice. And Damien was fighting for his life. We don't know if a blow could have, you know, knocked Damien out on the ground. And the next thing you know, we're having this conversation about um, a murder and, you know, what charges we should bring there. Right. Thank God he's still alive. And I think, you know, when we, you know, take a look at the justice system and, and the degree of how long this took, yes, some people thought it uh, thought about it as a, you know, a joke and we start getting the chair. But the, the real sensible part is that there is a video, right? There is evidence that, you know, he is the victim. And again, I can't thank technology enough because technology showed that he was explaining what he needed to do on this job while this white man came and literally want, just didn't want to talk and wanted to fight. I've never seen anything like this, but this is, again, another example of, of white privilege happening at an all-time high. And I believe, I firmly believe on this. If this video was um, not being recorded the way it is, I'm sure they would have said it was a one-on-one -on -one fight. Yeah. Well... <laughs> You cannot lie when we have receipts. And it's a black enough area, like I said, y'all got one job on that jury trial. Now, they might not let enough black people on there, but if you're the only black person, you got one job. Not guilty. <laughs> Lauren, though, I mean, Teresa, I can't say I feel angst or anxiety. I was like, get his ass. That's what I was like, because, you know, we came through. You had the black Michael Phelps out there, Aquaman, who swam across, came to the rescue. The big bros came down. <laughs> it was a whole situation. You know, even uh, uh, Roland has his team with that ass chair T-shirts. It was a whole thing. I feel like we had such a victory from that, though, that this moment was inevitable. Whatever's going to try to find one extra black person to throw under the bus and file charges on, and, you know, he's easily identifiable. Is this retaliation, Lauren, for how excited black people were to see the Montgomery uh, uprising? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's so rare to see. In fact, I don't know that we've actually seen a video in history where black people are recorded on video whooping ass in that fashion <laughs> in the South, or maybe not in any place else, uh, you know, against a, a bunch of white folks in a brawl, an all-out brawl on video. Yeah. Certainly, we've heard, you know, historically, we've, of course, you know, heard of men 
say stories of things that have happened. But on video, this may be a first in that sense. And so, of course, uh, as a history major, <laughs> we see the history of the of Alabama rearing its head with regard to the way the criminal justice system works, which, of course, is disproportionately unjust toward black people. So, of course, it, it has to be, uh, you know, it has to be the case that we, we throw back to uh, the order of what the history is, which is that a black person cannot be uh, allowed to get into that type of altercation without paying a social price. And they control uh, white folks in the South control the criminal justice system, which right. in Alabama means that there is going to be disproportionately negative meet out justice, justice against black folks. Uh, I find it interesting, you know, typically in these types of cases where you have two people fighting, it's a wash. Yeah. Even if you have a situation where you can tell in the video that, of course, the white individual starts the fight, starts the contact, but once the second person starts hitting back, you know, you have two people engaging in a fight. It's typically a wash. So it's fairly astonishing that he's being prosecuted. And, uh, and with all the things that we saw in the video, that was, to me, the one... That, that set of exchanges, other than the folks that have him down on the ground, I would never have guessed that anyone would have been prosecuted... Um, you know, I would never guess that he would be prosecuted. Right, Because now right. he is fighting against five people. So... You know, not only would I have never guessed that he'd be prosecuted against the, the first individual, but now you've got four or five people on one guy and he's getting prosecuted. That's where you know you're in America. That's where you know you're in the South. And I'm telling you, it's going to be interesting to see what the, what the trial and the penalty is, because that's where we really get into racial injustice. And, you know, a, a long history in this country a 350-year-plus history in this country of seeing justice meted out against black folks, particularly black males. And so this is going to be, I think, um, what we would expect it to be, given the history. And Dr. Carr, of course, will give us probably a better and more detailed uh, uh, answer than I will. But that, that is amazing that he is being prosecuted. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's like the audacity, but on the other hand, it's like the caucasity. Because what they say is, <laughs> don't even throw up the hat, don't even throw up the bad signal, just take your lick. We could just come over here and we could just pound on you and turn you every which way, Belusa. So you can't do a damn thing about it. But <laughs> not in 2023, not in Montgomery. Like I said, you got one job, black people on that doggone jury. Dr. Carr, take us home. No question. No, no, I think we're all in a, a one accord on this. I mean, Montgomery, I was just in Montgomery about a month ago, went down for Tuskegee's homecoming. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, one of my elders was being honored. He's, he's the last uh, that we know of living member of the founding chapter of Alpha at Tuskegee. He got his 75-year member pin, and we were in Montgomery for the ceremony. Shout out to Mariba Kelsey. And, um, but, you know, I said, we got to go down here to the dock with a chair. I ain't getting this close and not at least looking at the water <laughs> with <where> the chair <laughs> down, right? Because we were right, staying right across from the thing. Right. But, you know, it, you know, you know, and I'm, you know, my mom's from down that way. And, you know, and anybody who has lived black in America, as we, all the four of us have, know that we live under this constant pressure and this constant threat. So there was a catharsis. The thing that amazes me is that this was an act of violence all around, and we responded violently. And again, not to not to overburden the metaphor, but when you trap people and you put them in a situation where they are constantly under pressure and then you attack them, 
they're going to fight back. This is why uh, Bibi Netanyahu better stop. Mm. Because this this is going to be eternal war in that region. You're killing children. You're killing women. You 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 know you 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 claim to be uh, fighting Hamas, which you by the way propped up for years Ooh. to take them uh, to take out the PLO. But we're not going to talk about that today. Shout out to your tax dollars at work, United States. But when you pressure people, they fight back. The thing that I found kind of um, really comforting in this is that we've been talking about white folding chairs and beating the hell out of white people for three months, and ain't nobody said that we shouldn't be doing it. It's almost like that was a pressure valve for the ass-whooping that you should get for the way black people are treated. Now, I said I say that Montgomery's 60% black. Yeah. Steve Reed, the mayor, is black. Yep. The chief of yep. police, Daryl Albert, is black. I think this charge was an attempt to pacify the white people mm. that they are afraid of still to this day in Montgomery. But on the other side of the ledger, finally, Jim Cottrell, who's the captain of the Harriet too, said that this was racism. He said, the white guys that attacked my deckhand, and he was a senior deckhand, first mate, I can't think of any other reason that they attacked him other than it's racially motivated. So I don't know whether on the 21st of November, when the brother is arraigned, he's going to have a lawyer with him. But if it goes to a jury trial, get your white captain to stand up in there and tell that jury, however they're racially composed, that the white man said it was racism, and I don't think he has anything to worry about. Mm. Mm. I know that's right. Well, we got to call it on that note. Uh, if you got your folding chairs, if you got <laughs> your, 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 your picks, whatever, go ahead and get out there and show the brother some support. I'm sure he's going to have a GoFundMe or something. Chad, we got to give him some money for the, for the inconvenience. But it has been a great night. Thank you, Dr. Carr. Thank you, Teresa Lundy. Thank you, Lauren Victoria Burke. Thank you, Roland Martin, for giving me your, your host chair for the evening. That's a wrap for us, y'all. Go ahead and contribute. I'm sure the, the, the stuff is going to be up there. And I believe Roland will be back tomorrow. So as for me, holla. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real um, revolutionary right now. <laughs> Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. Hey, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Are you looking for the perfect move in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy. Enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.